Welcome to Turning Point Talks with Ashley, a podcast designed to help guide you with encouragement, movement, and challenges to help you carve your path to being the best version of you. Through sharing my own story, inviting others to share their stories, and being as real and raw as I possibly can be, my one goal is to inspire you to stand out rather than fit in. So welcome to Turning Point Talks with Ashley. I am your host, Ashley Johnson. Welcome back to Turning Point Talks with Ashley. It has been a hot minute since I've recorded, since I've sat in this room to podcast. I've just been super focused on my growth at Turn and getting my company in line to finish the year strong. And I, full disclosure, I just have not put energy and time into this podcast, but nonetheless, I'm back and I'm excited. I got a lot of good stuff coming up. And today I am extremely humbled to have the guest in my room because this person's accomplishments of the life that he lives and more importantly, the last 10 days of his life were just extremely, I would say excruciating to watch, but also Such gross. amazing Such gross. journey as I got to, to watch his journey unfold. And we'll get to all that. But without further ado, I have with me today, Mr. Jansen Redkay. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Most of you probably have no clue who he is. He's not a loud turn client. You know, he hustles in in all of his outdoor bike gear and he sits on the back row and he rides and then he leaves and then he switches uniforms into a Sandy Springs police officer uniform during the day and he's a father and I am just absolutely elated to have you here. Your story, I usually, you know, send questions to my guest. And then they email me back the answers and I read up on them, but I kind of did a different, I didn't tell him to send me his answers because I wanted to be as surprised, shocked, and just excited as you all are, will be when he does, you know, share his story and his gift with us. But how are you, man? I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm so good. Now. How long have you been up today? Hour and a half. Maybe. Okay. So you, you didn't ride this morning. I did not. No. I did not. I've been sleeping so much and that's not me i'm a five to six hour sleeper in the last four days it's been more like 10 yeah 11 yeah 12. right yeah so i'm getting there i'm recovering and I'm we'll back. we'll share to sure. the people why you need to be sleeping mm-hmm. but you know i really just love kickstarting off these conversations with who the hell are you tell us a little bit about your background your family your upbringing and how you got from baby jay to Senior no problem. Jay. <laughs> no problem. I, I won't call it senior because I'm a small guy and I'm still trying to grow up. At some point, I'll get there, but we'll see. I was born and raised in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, which is Amish country, Pennsylvania. My dad comes from Mennonite roots. For those of you that don't know, they're basically Amish, but they drive cars. Some have horse and buggy. So it's still, it's a, it's like a still to way. this day, horse and buggy. Yes. Yeah, still to this day. My father broke away from the church. My grandfather on my mother's side broke away from the church, but a lot of my relatives still wear the bonnets, still wear the, you know, the dress, the the garb. So we call it the Middle East of Pennsylvania when we go to family reunions, because we still have a lot of the religious on one side of the room and the broke away non-religious on the other. So and what are you? 
What am I? Are you broken I'm, away? I Are am you... broken away. Okay. Yes, I'm very broken away. Yes. Did, and as a child, were you part of the religion? No, I was never part of the religion. Okay. My mother married into it to okay. my father, who had already broken away from, you know, if you don't know about it, I don't want to dive off, but Rumspringa, they kind of give them a year in between childhood and adulthood to figure out the world. Okay. My dad's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm not going back. So my mother married him soon after that. So there was never any Mennonite uh, affiliation for me and my brother. So I will be very honest. I do not know much of anything. Okay. Except probably for the stereotypical I things to think about right. Amish. <laughs> right. When you go back home, mm -hmm. what are like the main differences? But obviously horse and buggy. Sure. I mean, I, my jaw is still on the floor. Okay. I didn't. I thought that was like... This is why we should have sent the notes probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this because... I mean, what what else is life like? 30 years ago, there were basically four main churches for the Amish, four sects, if you will. Okay. Now, just like every religion, there's well over 30 just in southeast Pennsylvania, where I'm from. And everywhere I've ridden, I have run into Mennonite communities also up in Maine, huge Mennonite communities. Ridden on your year. outdoor bike is R what you're saying? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the big difference is... You know, it used to be just horse and buggy. Every church, depending on the church you belong to, you wore the same clothing pattern. You had the same house with the same color shutters. Oh now in this day and age, with all these splits in the churches, sure. a lot of that has changed. And it's so, some wear bonnets, some females wear bonnets, some don't, some have to wear dresses, some can wear pants. It's it's like every religion. It's just gone thousand different right some right stay now. extremely yeah. traditional right. in it, and some have their own new shape form yes. fashion of yes it. however the food is still amazing no matter which one you go to. really the food what is, is the uh, food there's things that you have never heard of like corn pie which is a pie shell it's corn it's eggs it's a little bit of milk some potatoes it's amazing that but actually sounds pretty nobody's good. ever heard of it. i'll beg you some i still make it do you okay Absolutely. like what else do y'all or do they uh, eat? red beet eggs are a huge one that okay. is not very popular in the south a lot of the pies and pastries okay are so good chicken pot pie what you guys call chicken pot pie in the south you guys yeah is not <laughs> is not chicken pot pie i was like what is this first time i ate it and then i realized oh majority of the world eats that's it like kind this. of like yeah. sweet tea for me when you okay. travel and people sit and you order sweet tea and they serve me like unsweet tea. Yeah. Sweet tea to me is like four cups of sugar in a pitcher with yeah. some tea in it, right? Yeah. Yep. That's how we, like, that's the biggest yeah. difference in yep. that I could relate that. That's amazing. I did okay. not know that. Yep. About <laughs> oh, you. there's more. Trust me, there's more. I, I'm sure we could do a whole oh, episode sure. about that. And yep. the I'm sure you have stories about what you saw or what you oh, experienced yeah. as a kid. So Pennsylvania, how's your family life like? Family life is good. As a kid, mom mom divorced when I was about five, four or okay. five. Had a stepdad that was immediately in the picture. He had a lot of issues, just mentally, a lot of issues. Your mom divorced your dad? No, a mom divorced dad, yep. yeah. Natural okay. dad. Okay. Very soon after that, met my stepfather, okay. who was my stepfather till I was 15. Lots of mental health stuff going on with him. Okay. Eventually, when I was 15, he commits suicide. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's a, a lot of stuff, which will end up forming kind of the Jansen we have today okay. now that I look yeah. back and kind of psychoanalyze yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so a lot of my escape back then because of what was going on in the home was running I would go for long runs ended up being a cross-country runner indoor track track so naturally you can kind of see the progression of what has made me who I am today or so your stepdad dies by suicide yep your mom at that point how is she 
I mean, mentally, uh, there's a lot of psychological stress going on mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as a kid, I didn't know it. I kind of was looking out for myself, sure. doing my own little thing. Now, when we look back and analyze the whole situation, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. All the red flags. Or oh, all absolutely. Of the, yeah. And, absolutely. And rightfully so, as kids, adolescents, even young adults, mm-hmm. your mindset and your brain are not capable of even understanding right what they are feeling or the emotions i mean i grew up in a family where my parents you know on the outside and and we were a happy family my parents stayed together they got divorced after 38 years of marriage and i was 34 35 years old just a couple years ago right but you look back and the ashley i am today in all of my years of counseling you learn are through the foundations of your family, what you hear, what yeah. you see, what you experience. And at the time, I used to, you know, give my mom so much hell or put her through hell and treat her like shit, you know, as a, as a teen. Right. And looking back, like, I was such a bitch. And I didn't realize what she might be going through because she was just my mom and she was the authority. And, right. It was like Or whatever, my dad. And you, you don't even understand until you are an adult. Right. Until you're in love, until you're married, or until you have kids. I haven't had them yet, unfortunately. But you don't have that same understanding. Yeah, the comprehension's not there. And I don't want to say it's unfortunate because it's part of life. And there's no way to fix that. And it's, you know, it makes you who you are. And a majority of the time we come out better people if we we live our life right. And we get the help we need and we find our strengths from it. But it's so amazing to me how what you just said, like, back then you went on runs. Right. To escape. Right. And I didn't even know and why. you had no clue. I had no clue why You were just it. a kid yep. going on a run. That's it. And similarly, I used to go on long ass runs. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how I did it. You couldn't pay me to go run a mile. Well, I'm the same way. Today. I'm but I used to way. go on 13 miles. Yep. And my, I remember specifically, not to digress, but it was pouring down rain. I am a freshman or sophomore in high school. I'm going through that weird stage you know, I went through like an ugly stage. Trying to I, find yourself. Yeah, my yeah, front teeth were all jacked up. Yeah. My hair was all fucked up. You know, I didn't make the cheerleading squad and my parents were probably fighting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was running in the pouring down rain and my dad pulls up next to me and he's like, are you okay? I've been looking for, because he was worried because I've been running for two hours. Yeah. I was just running. Right. But I was escaping. Right. And I was, I was getting away. You were from, dealing with yeah. something. Yeah. It's absolutely. so crazy how you, you learn. Yeah. And if you actually take the time to check in with your childhood, or if you do the work, like counseling, that's why I'm such a, I love counseling. Yeah. Because that's what they do. Yeah. Tell me about your childhood. Yeah, they make you focus. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about your high school years. or And that's why you're, you know, so strong today. You're so hard today. You're so cold today. You're yeah. so closed off today or whatever. But, yeah. no, but anyway, so that's, it's so interesting to hear you say that. And I'm so glad you shared that because a lot of us, don't put in the work that we need as adults yeah, to learn true. why we are who we are. Well, even for other people, I tell my daughter all the time, she's 10. I tell her all the time before you say, Oh, they're weird. They're so weird. I said, get to know that person. Mm. There's always a, there's a story behind yeah. the weird. Yeah. There's always a reason. There's always a reason. Yeah. And you probably know more than the average person because of your line of work. You deal with 
weird yeah. in quotation marks or disturbed or challenged yeah. or disobedient. The homeless prime the, example. There's so such good stories on that street. You could write a book. Oh, easily, easily. I it, could write a thesis easily. And it's so crazy how like, you know, on the Oprah Winfrey show or something, she would bring on this former homeless person who's now a successful person and their story and vice versa. The former successful person who lost their job for whatever reason didn't make ends meet. Now they're living on the streets, but their story is so incredible and motivating. And, and, but the average person we drive and we judge them and we treat them like, maybe not treat them like shit, but we don't take time. We don't give them time to die. Yeah. Yeah. So you ran, you escaped, you lost your stepdad. Yeah. So what happens next? My grades are a mess, obviously, yeah. at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a given. Yeah. I knew college. I did very well in running, but I had some ineligibility problems in high school. So, obviously, I was looking at college, and I knew that wasn't happening. Obviously, the, the Marine Corps ended up scooping me up. And I'm, I'm, the, I'm the typical Marine, if you will, from that psychology standpoint. And that was exactly what I needed at that point. Park that thought, because I want to dive a little deeper into that. But what was your social life? like in high school? I was a quiet child, especially up to like 10, 11, 12, I was quiet. And then I learned, going back to my stepfather, I learned if I could entertain him with humor, I could make our days just a little bit better. Because he would treat you better? Right, right. If I made him laugh, it would make everybody's day a little better. Wow. So like, it was probably 10, 11, 12 that I really learned that piece of it. Uh-huh. And then I kind of became the, the funny kid, you know, where okay. I could do some crazy stuff. And I could, I was a little guy, so I could mess around a little bit. So Did we, you get in trouble, like, by the police ever? No, no. no. I, I've never had any, any legal trouble. I've never, I've never been one to, despite everything that was going on, there was never any acting out in that regard. I just used humor. I learned that you could get a lot further with humor than you could with just basic analytics. Which is contrary to the typical adolescent behavior. Yes. Family life sucks. Then they typically, you hear they act out, go to drinking, go to drugs, sex, rock and roll, whatever. So kudos to you. Really, my grandfather is really kudos. Okay. uh, Spent a lot of time. Mom was always working. Stepdad was, he at that point, he, he had some major medical issues as well, which is leading to all this other mental health yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time at grandparents. Okay. Very religious couple, but very loving. And so they were really, if it wouldn't have been for my grandfather on my mom's side, I would Who knows be where jam- you'd be. Yeah, I would yeah, not you be, be Jansen. Uh-uh. So college is out of the picture. Yep. Your grades suck. Yep. But you're funny. You're running. You're small. And the Marines scoop you up Mm -hmm. because I feel like through everything you've already gone through in your life, you've built this mentality of, I'm a hard ass kid. I can handle shit. I've proven. People said you can't do it. I was, I graduated high school at 120 pounds. Oh my gosh. In ninth grade, I wrestled at 75 pounds, five, six. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was a tiny, tiny guy. And so everybody's like, I've, I'm one of 10 with stepbrothers, stepsisters. Wow, okay. Natural brother, four stepbrothers, four stepsisters. Okay. I'm second to youngest. I'm tiny. Yeah. Everybody's like, you can't do that. You're too small. You yeah. Can't. I'm like, oh, bullshit. Watch this. Yeah. And and that fed into a lot of Jansen today as well. Motivated by people telling you you can't do something. Absolutely. Which is, for me, the ultimate motivator. Well, it is for me as well, yeah. still to this day. Like, when people tell me no or when I failed at something... Yeah. 
I mean, it stems again from, I believe, not making that cheerleading squad, which in high school in the South mm -hmm. was like that life was a or huge death. deal. Yeah, huge. It was huge. Absolutely. It was. And that started something within me. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't care if I saw tomorrow, but today I'm forever grateful, even though to some people that could be like, who gives a shit? You didn't make the cheerleading right. squad at 14 years old. Right. But it made me who it, it started the foundation for strong, badass boss bitch. Ashley. Right. Right. Because don't oh, tell you, me. Right. Don't right. tell me. I'm going to show you that I'm bigger, better, stronger, yep. whatever. Yep. So the Marines. Yep. Tell so, me about that. Yeah. I went in right after high school, literally like three weeks after graduation, went in at that point, my brother's in the Navy, you know, okay. I, I had to one up Do they him. butt heads? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah, hate yeah, each yeah. other, yeah, right? We're, we're technically our paychecks come from the Navy, right. but you know. I got some buddies, of course, right. so. in the services and they all... Army, Marines, Navy. I had to one-up him, so he goes in the Navy. I had to go in the Marine Corps at that point. And where were you located? I was at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. Okay, so, so you leave your family. Yep, at that point, I was I was just done with small-town Amishville, Pennsylvania, and I wanted to travel. And when they, told, when they asked me, what do you want to do, I said, I want to travel. Yeah. They said, oh, you're perfect for infantry, not knowing I've been sold on this, like, <laughs> real fun life that I have set up for me. But again, it fueled it fueled that side of me that I didn't even know was where right. you can't do this. You're small, you're tiny. There's yeah. no way, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, I'm in within three months of getting out of boot camp, I was in the Sierra mountains of Northern California doing cold weather training. At that point, my unit had just come back from Somalia where they were, you know, what Mogadishu. Year is this? this is 1993. Okay. So the end of 1993. So I am seven years old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my unit was pretty well wiped out because they held a lot of guys over on their on ship for months. And okay. so when my unit got back to Camp Lejeune, a lot of guys got out of the Marine Corps just because they were already past their time. Yeah. So they said when we were up in the Sierra Mountains, they said, look, we're doing a cross-country ski race with all your gear. Whoever, the first whatever, I don't remember if it was five or ten, you're up for meritorious promotion, which means you could be, get promoted before you meet the actual requirements cool. okay. requirements for the promotion so like you have skis yeah full gear full what gear. does full gear mean full gear at that point was you know all your cold weather gear you have the backpack which is you know 30 pounds ish and then you have whatever rifle or weapon system you can so your weapons okay yeah, yeah. Your full gear yeah so skiing how long is this Cross-country ski? I don't even remember how long it was. It seemed like 10 miles. I'm sure it was like probably a 5K sure, or something like sure. that. But the thing that they added in at the end, they said, you're up for meritorious promotion. Those that are up for meritorious promotion will all go out. You'll go by Hilo up to the top of the mountain and you'll ski down. And I'm like, hell yes, count me in. You have no fear of that? Oh, gosh, no. None. I guess going I into no the... Fear you can't have fear at all. At, all. At, going... at, at 19, I had zero fear. of. I had stupid no fear. Right, yes. right. And that's why they grab men and women at such a young age because if you were to go up to you today and not having the background you did right. and say hey you want me to go put you at the top of the mountain and ski down right you would be like hell no yeah you're an idiot yeah right. i'm not jeopardizing right. my life i got bad knees i got a bad yep. hip yeah but you're small yeah every guy around you is bigger than you oh yeah they're all much i'm, I'm maybe 135 pounds at this point 140 and just for all of us, what is boot camp? And I want to get, obviously I'm not skipping this story, but what is boot camp like? Boot camp, I didn't, I'm a cross country runner. At that point I'm dabbling in marathoning as I go into the Marine Corps. So physically I was all in. I'm like, yeah, challenge me. Let's go. Physically boot camp was nothing. You like know, what the, do they the, make you do? 
it's getting up every morning when they say you get up, doing what they say you have to do, and it's the games that they play throughout the day. Oh, your footlocker's not done right, so they dump it over, redo it. Your bed's not made right, they strip it, do it over. And yeah. you may do that three, four, six times. Okay, everybody screwed it up, let's go out, and it's basically a sand volleyball court. And then, you know, you're all wet and sweaty or they just took you down to the swamp and then you throw sand in the air and they, and of course it sticks to you. Right. And, and it stays that way for the rest of the day, whether it's 10, 12, 14 hours. You know, because for us who have never obviously enlisted yeah. or been in any service, mm -hmm. we see the movies or the documentaries or, you know, they're talking sure. with our family and friends that have, but I cannot fathom one minute of quote boot camp. Okay. Now, as you know, I'm competitive. Yeah. Yes, you are. I'm an athlete. I love hard work. I love hard ass workout upstairs or out on the green. Mm -hmm. But the mind games that come along with it, yeah. could I handle it? I mean, I, I if, if my life depended on it, you have to, yeah. right? But I will say, I think the world needs boot camp. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like the discipline, respect, humility. I think the whole world needs fucking boot camp well now. the let shit go it's not that big a deal let it go yeah. and, and that's what you learn there step outside you're like okay do i want to pick this battle and do another 30 minutes yeah. in the pit no probably not so. because so bert and i you know my husband yep, bert, we're watching last chance you right now which okay. is this basketball long story short it's a documentary on like a junior college basketball program okay. east la and they follow this coach who basically takes all of these amazing talented young athletes who were D1, but they, because of their grades uh -huh. or because of whatever circumstance, you name it, disciplinarian or COVID shut down and they lost their scholarship and then they just can't afford to get back to a college. So Juco, this college oh. picks them up, right? And the shit these kids say and do to disrespect the procedure, the people, the coaches, the teammates, when all they have to do is show up do their job and go home. And if they do that, they would be in the NBA. They'd Goals be making teams, millions yeah. Yeah. and sponsorships, but they, they have to throw in that one liner yeah. or they have to fight. And it's because they're not disciplined and that's why they didn't make it. And that's why right. they're at that's junior why they college, are they are. Right? right? And they can't fathom that. Yeah. But it goes to what you said. I mean, the, the drills that they're doing, the punishment sounds very similar to a boot camp, okay. right? Because the coach is yelling in their face. Yeah. And rightfully so, because he has to trigger something within them to gain or to make them say, oh, I need to respect you. Yeah. Or, oh, I can't live life being a fuck up asshole piece of shit. Right. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. You're yeah. the authority. Yeah. Just like as a cop. I mean, I know we're digressing, but right. if you pull somebody over and they mouth off to you yeah. by your training, you are required to react and respond a certain way. Right. You can't just be like, oh. Yeah, sorry, I'll let you sorry, go. Sorry, I'll yeah, let you go. Or, you know yeah. what? You can pull a gun on me. It's right. fine. Yeah. Shake my hand, walk away. You have to yeah. react to stupidity. You have to take charge. Absolutely. Right. And it's sad. I mean, obviously, your story is perfectly teeing up to who you are today because yeah. the running and the discipline at 12 years old alone, mm -hmm. that mindset ain't easy. Because no. you can easily just start walking. You can easily quit. Right. You can easily just say, not today. Whatever. You fought through the pain. Now you're in the Marines. You're on this challenge. And if you win, you get to go to the top of the mountain. So now this competitive watch me mindset comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Do you win? Absolutely, I did. <laughs> crushed it. Yeah, crushed, crushed it. Crushed it. Crushed it, yeah. And it, it was. I wanted more in life. Uh, you know, what do you have for me? What do you have? And that was something totally foreign to me. Go up in a helicopter to Dude. the highest peak and cross-country ski down this Sierra, you know, mountain. Okay, let's go. And that was the mindset. And then once I reached that, you know, oh, that meritorious promotion was pretty easy. Let me go for another yeah. one. And so it, there were two more after that. Oh, it's beautiful. It yeah. triggers. Absolutely. You want more. Yep. Dangle the carrot. You yep. want more. Yep. And I say this all the time to my team in sales because what I learned in my own past career, once you make that first check, mm -hmm. it's what's next. Yeah. Once you make that big ass $20,000 commission check, what can I do? How much more can I make? Yeah. Once you reach 200K in your bank account, oh, can I get 300? Can mm -hmm. I get four? I mean, if you live. You're never happy. Never. But it's a great thing. Never happy. If you focus on it the right way. And yes. I, and people don't understand. A lot of people don't understand that because they don't, they're just not made that way. They don't have that drive. Yeah. They don't have the drive. They're not meant to be a leader. They're meant right. to be a coworker. Yep. And their role is just as important. Absolutely. We need them. Absolutely. We need them. But I could never live that way because when people tell me oh turn is awesome turn is great what you're doing is fantastic there's nothing like it that does nothing for me mm -hmm. if i'm being completely honest now of course it feels good in that sure. moment of course i don't want anybody to say i hate it right but i want what's next what's more i need more mm -hmm. i'm better i'm bigger there's more and that is you to a t you got the promotion and now you're like okay cool what's next yep. so what is next in your yeah. world so eventually I end up traveling to over 36 countries. Jeez while in Louise. The Marine Corps. Yeah, and, and, and I'm getting paid, paid for this yes. and it's expense free. I run into this amazing guy that I was in infantry school with. So after boot camp, you go to your trade school, if you will. Sure. Mine was infantry. Meet this guy named Jason Pearson. Okay. He and I hit it off right away. He's from Northern Georgia. He and I were best of pals during that school. Three years later, he and I both are infantry. He goes to Hawaii. I go to North Carolina. We run into each other seriously walking down the streets in Japan. And I was like, oh, how are you doing? You didn't know? I, mean, I, I had no idea no he was in Japan at that point. And he had no idea I was in Japan at this point. Wow. We run into each other. We spend five, ten minutes talking. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to MSG school. I'm like, what's MSG school? Yeah. It stands for Marine Security Guard School. And it's basically the guards that stand outside the embassies. At United States consulates. I've seen those on movies. That's right. about as that's close as I've gotten to an he, embassy. <laughs> yes, he said they're they're testing right now. He's like, look into it. I go back, talk to my command, blah blah blah, fill out some paperwork. Next thing I know, I'm You're going to embassy MSG duty. School. Wow. Yeah, which is at Quantico, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Did very well there, and then at the end, the final two weeks, I knew physically there was something very wrong. Oh. However, I also knew. If there's something physically very wrong, it doesn't matter. You're done. You're, You're out done. of this yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. So I held it for three weeks after the final testing, final physical fitness test. I passed out. By the grace of God, it was mono. It, it was only mono, if you will. At that point, I already had orders to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, which was the embassy I was assigned to. So because I had mono, you know, they did the treatment plan. They held me over. They took the guy that was going to Rome, Italy. He had orders for Rome, Italy. They switched us because I needed naval medical facility okay. for about six months. Uh -huh. So anyway, that guy that was supposed to go to Rome that is now going to Riyadh because my ass got sick. He sent me hate mail for about a year and a half going, you suck. <laughs> but uh, ended up being a great thing for me, obviously. Rome was an amazing place, you know, to live 
on the embassy compound in Rome, Italy was pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, after that, go to Tel Aviv, Israel, which was even more amazing. I loved Israel. So you're just a guard. I mean, not just. I don't. Mean yeah, no, just, that's exactly. But like it. you're a guard. You're you're a guard. During so you're the, not like. I mean, do you have any crazy? Stories from being there, a guard, uh, or is it? There's so many. I mean, Rome in itself is just an amazing city. There's tunnels under the city that nobody knows about, except Be you, clearly. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, the the Swiss guards who are the the guards for the Pope at the uh, Vatican, those guys control that city. So the Swiss guards they ended up becoming friends of ours because Marines we have parties to raise money for the embassy house. Okay. And that money goes towards the Marine Corps birthday ball, which back in, uh, this would have been 2006. Okay. We, we basically had a $45,000 party Jeez. just from selling beer at the Marine house wow. every weekend. Yeah. And you dress up or you wear your. Yeah. Depending on the function, you, you're yeah. dressing up, you're dressing down, whatever. So anyway, these guards from the Vatican are taking us all over these, these tunnels underneath the Vatican city that nobody ever gets to go wow. into. Such a cool, cool experience. So this is 2006, yeah. right? And you're how old? I'm sorry, this is... No, it's not 2006. You said I, three. Yeah. 2003. This is a 1996. I'm okay. sorry. I was not about to say, okay, yeah. we skipped. Yeah. I was Zoom. like, dang, yeah, yeah, yeah. But already in 1996, you're how old at that point? Would have been 30 at that point, 1996. You've already seen, done, experienced so much. Oh, I, yes. I was very fortunate. And you're 30. Yeah. Not married. Just getting married about 30, yeah. So along this, all of this guard stuff, you fall in love? Yeah, a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> we could go into a whole story with that. When I was in Rome, I met a, I met an American girl who's studying abroad. Okay. She and I end up dating for three years. After I got out of the Marine Corps, three years later, I ended up going back to Pennsylvania, living with mom, hating life. Uh-huh. And I, I can uh, imagine. I took a job in Boston where she was. And y'all got married? No, we no. did not. Okay. We lived in the same city, not even the same house, for three months. And I said, this woman is freaking crazy. Ah. And we were done. We're still friends Lesson to this day, though. Still we're, friends? We, we are now. It took 20 years, but we are friends. Okay, so you're done overseas. Now you're, you move home with mom. Yep. And what are you doing for work? I was working at a juvenile detention center. It was a, So you go from embassy guard. Yep. In Rome, Italy, mm -hmm. in Tel Aviv, living this extravagant life. Yeah, living like a diplomat, literally. Literally. Yeah. And then you're done. Your time is just done? My time's done, yeah. Because they put you on contracts, right? Well, yeah, and you can only do two tours for the most part. Okay, tours, there are some yeah. exceptions to that. You can only do two tours okay. in embassy program, and then they kick you back to your original job, which mine was infantry, basically camping for a living is what sure. I was doing, which is horrible and i was like uh yeah no i'll get i'll get out and go to college so that was the plan so you moved to mom's yep. hate life yep i mean i can only imagine sure you're working at a juvenile detention center yep going back to talking about how we were like you never know what the, the stories the whys yeah and are you a guard at this center or yeah, what are it, you it's a trial program it was a corporate run juvenile detention center they took an old hotel up on the hill in the town where I live, and there were no locked doors. That was the trial program. And How did asked, that work out? It actually went very well. I basically got paid to play football with kids is how I saw it. Yeah. You know, I had, the, I had the humor. I had the personality. At night, I did a lot of night work, so I'd study while they sleep. But 
before they went to bed, you know, just play. They're Studying kids. for college? Or in yeah, college, at that point, in I'm, in the, I'm in the uh, community college. At yeah, that yeah, point. yeah. Okay, yeah. so then you moved to? Boston. So did, we didn't graduate college. Nope, I did not. There was a girl. There's a girl. There's damn girls. (laughs) Love, man. Beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing and it is a horrible thing at times, right? No. So you moved to Boston and now where are you working? Uh, I took a job with a company that reached out to a bunch of us while I was in Rome. Okay. And it's a a corporate security firm and I got assigned to a high-end law firm 500 partner law firm up in boston so i was running a security director for a law firm in boston like what do you mean secure like at their building yes so this building it was right if you're not familiar with boston but it's it's right downtown they had it was probably a 32 story building okay and they had 18 floors of this high-rise building and so yeah it's just physical security it's unarmed security for did anything happen Nothing happens. It was a very boring the, you're, for you. Right. Our biggest issue was the partners themselves thinking they're above God. Yeah, and they would throw right, right? temper tantrums, break stuff. Oh, really? Slap people. The partners were, the partners are really why we were there in my oh, personal wow. opinion. I won't say the name of the firm, but you know, it was it's good. fine. Hey, I wouldn't know them anyway. Again, learning the humor worked with these million dollar lawyers. Humor always works wow 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 okay so you and the girl break up you're working at this law firm you're bored life is not working out probably mentally as you expected right i'm making more money than i ever thought i would for at that point i'm i'm in college at salem salem state okay so you are in school i am in school yep and then what happens What's your workout? I mean, are you running? Are you? Yeah, at this point, I'm marathoning. Uh, marathoning. I'm, I'm trying to. At this point, I am trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon, okay. which was a 3:10 time for my age frame. Okay, and point. check in. What year are we at now? Right now, we're at Don't 2000, 2001. Okay. It's right before. <laughs> it's it's right before 9/11. Okay. Yeah. And you're in Boston, so yeah. So tell me more. Yeah. So you know, I'm working my shift, whatever it is. It's varying, of course, and I'm trying to do my workouts in in Boston. I'm doing all these marathon runs. Cold as hell, or some some are. At this yeah. point, I'm not a drinker. I've never been a drinker okay. ever. I, I miss that whole party phase of life. I still okay. have. One night, my boss he says to me, the owner of the company, he's like, "Hey, I need to meet you after work." I'm like, "No, I can't. I have an 18 miler tonight. I cannot meet you tonight. I have to." He's like, "Just meet me. One beer. Come on." Three beers later, oh shit! I am so pissed because all he did was want to talk about something that I didn't feel was that important at that point. Sure, I, I need to do my run. It could have been an email, right? Could have been a phone could call, could have been something else. Ah. I could have waited till tomorrow. Yeah, I know yeah, that. yeah. So anyway, I go out and I do my 18 miles after three beers. After three beers, okay. I come in the next day and I said, Scott, I was so pissed at you last night. However, I love you today. And he's like, "What are you talking about?" I said, I had my fastest training time ever last night. He's like, I told you you need to drink with me more often. <laughs> so anyway, it was good. But, it, you know, it, and that was the other thing, learning your body. During that marathoning, you learn your body almost oh, to sure. a T. It's so amazing. Also, though, you are tuned in to your body. You Very care. Much at that point, yeah. You are disciplined. You have that, again, maybe call it the marine mindset, but most of us, when I say us, like humans, I'm sure. going to say, we are not disciplined. We are not in tune to our bodies. We don't care. We don't recover. We don't prep. We just live. Right, right. If we want to work out, we go work out. 
if somebody says, here, drink this energy, it'll help you. Oh, yeah, don't we, even get me started We drink that. it, right, or right, if right. somebody says, you know, take this pill to recover or to sleep. Yeah, vape, vape, we, yeah. Va whole, whatever, right? Like, yeah. the majority of us skate by with just taking the day on, doing what we have to do, and then repeat. Yep. Yeah. Right? right? And you are very clocked in. Well, and, and two, during this time, this guy, Scott, he, he saw something in me. I didn't realize it at the time. He sent me to a course. It was a four-day course called Franklin Covey Institute. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Franklin okay. Covey. Okay. Now, back then, it was a it was a paper notebook. Yeah. And you basically are using your 10-year goal. Yeah. And you're living your life today, but still living your life today to meet that 10-year goal. Those four days, I thought, you're insane. You're going to teach me how to keep my daily schedule for four days? What do you... Anyway, it changed my life. I'm OCD to begin with, yeah. and that and a whole bunch of other things just compounded it. That was probably one of the first books I think I read Okay, was his book. But, okay, so this is around 9-11. Did that do anything for you, being in Boston? Yeah, yeah this story gets pretty... Pretty crazy. I might even get emotional over this one. Okay. Uh, Are you okay with that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. No, I'm so, I'm so, yeah. I'll okay. put my emotions out there. I'm not, okay. as you saw last week. During this time, I'm, I'm broken up with the girl. Yep. 9-11, I'm up buying a car up in Peabody, Massachusetts, which okay. is just north of the city, when the planes hit the tower. I see it on TV. In, in, in a car dealership. In a car dealership is where okay. I was. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my, I'm waiting on the car that I had already bought at that point. What, do you know a car one? Yeah, oh yeah, it's a Subaru Outback, okay. of course, yeah. Oh, that's Cause, very Because everybody in New England has a Subaru Outback, <laughs> so why shouldn't I? Okay. <laughs> and so immediately, everybody, the city's being closed down, the trains are all closed down, the law firm where I work is shutting down, sending everybody home. I needed to be in that building for, it ends up being like 50 hours, it was some insane amount of hours. In the so, car dealership? Yeah, I'm in the car dealership. I need to get back to oh, the city oh, oh. Okay. because I'm expected to now be inside this. Yeah, I'm and the you're security. security. Director. Yeah, I'm the director and of security at that. We're point. under the biggest alert yeah. ever. So, yeah. the bike comes into play. I get back to my apartment right outside the city, and I get on the bike and I bike into because you can't downtown. drive. Because I can't drive. The city's literally shut closed down. down. Yeah. Wait, yeah. how many miles was it? It wasn't that far mileage wise. But Boston's held a bike through, and it was, uh, it was. But cars are all going outbound, so it wasn't that big a deal. But I immediately knew I'm either running or I'm biking. It's one of them. Right. So. So anyway, you bike to work. I put a backpack together and I bike to work, and. And you were there for how long? I think it was about fifty hours. It was it was all about three days. Doing what? Just being there and making sure nobody Nothing came happened. in. Yep, that's it. Just. Because we didn't know what was... We, we had no idea, yeah. right. You know, to look out this building, you can oversee Logan Airport from the floors of this building. And to look out that side of the building and see zero planes was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, and I'm also imagining, not only are you not seeing any planes, but you're wondering, is a plane about to hit R right. us? Right. right. I mean, At that point, we have no idea yeah. of the story. <clears throat> oh, no my idea. goodness. Yeah. So I was in like social studies class. Okay. Everybody so, remembers. Very different story from Everybody you. And I had remembers. no clue. I didn't even know it was a big deal. Yeah. I just thought, you know, we were stopping class to turn the TV on. Yeah. And all I thought was a plane crash. I did. I had no clue yeah. what 9-11 was until after the fact. I mean, I was. Right. Years later. Probably. I was in my teens, yeah. you know, and I was a dumb high schooler. I was 
probably drinking in class for all I know. So well, ironically, during that time, when I'm at night at the night shift back in Pennsylvania at yeah. the Juvenile Detention Center, yeah. I wrote a term paper on Osama bin Laden. Ironically, very ironically, because I knew of him from when I was in the embassy overseas. Do you still have that paper? Uh, I don't know if I do or not. I would I, love to read that. I would love to read it, too. I know I don't have the computer. Wow, I just got chills. But I, ironically, I knew of Osama bin Laden because of the attack on the coal, and a lot. I had a friend killed in the embassy in uh, Africa. They also bombed the U.S. naval ship, the coal, in northern Africa, too, I think. So I had knew of him from just being in that world. Yeah. And ironically, I wrote a term paper on him in when I was at the uh, juvenile detention center, not knowing, obviously, you know, wow. that he was the man behind the the behind the cloud. Holy shit! Several years later, yeah, it's kind of that would be really incredible to get yeah. that paper. It would. I wish right? I would. I don't know if I do have it. But uh, so, nine yeah. eleven happens. You're yeah. in the security job. What's next? Yeah. So, so afterwards, you know, I start dabbling in sales because the operations, oh. yeah, for the company, same company I'm working for, I start dabbling in sales. Okay. And I end up meeting this guy, another former Marine, who's running a high rise down the road. And we want to sell our company to get in this high rise for his big, big uh, clientele, too. End up seeing this girl at the front desk. I dropped the proposal off to her and said, damn. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that night I ended up leaving her a voicemail, having nothing to do with the proposal that I gave her earlier that day. And uh, yeah, she never even remembered who I was, so. But she ends up being my wife a couple years later. She, and this is where I said I might get emotional, she ends up being an American Airlines flight attendant on 9-11, took off from Logan Airport en route to California, and she was one, I think it was five planes took off that morning. She was one that did not have a terrorist on it. That At least not one that acted out. There's still theory that there probably there was. More. Right, but her plane safely land, gets grounded, if you will. I was about to say, where did it get grounded? Yeah, it got grounded in Chicago, O'Hara, is where they got grounded. So anyway, three months later, she's still taking flights after 9-11, after they finally do open the open the air again. And uh, anyway, she ends up having this, she gets furloughed from uh, American Airlines. Okay. So she takes a temp job at this at this high-rise building where I'm dropping the proposal off. And that's how y'all met. And that's how we all met, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool story. So you fall in love with the receptionist at the high-rise building. You got it, yeah. And y'all get married. Yep. You're still working in this company or yep. you've moved on? Nope, okay. still working in this company. All right, and we get married and... Yeah, we're not married at that point. We're, we're seriously dating. Seriously yep, dating. Seriously dating. Then what happens? We go on vacation, she and I go on vacation to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh-huh. And it is snowing and blowing when we leave Boston. And that night, we're swimming on a rooftop pool in Phoenix. Nothing better than that. Going, what the hell are we doing? So you move? Oh, with we had an apartment the next day in Phoenix. Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... You literally just lit... Like, you don't... Most we, people need a plan. They sit on it. They ponder yeah. it. We had an apartment lined up. That was in March. In August, we moved, thinking we'll move at the end of summer when sure. it's not so hot in Phoenix. Yeah. We didn't know the end of summer is actually yeah. December. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. They t- went to Phoenix. Cost of living, very cheap compared to Boston at that point. Oh, yeah. Everything is brand new. Yep. It's a whole new life. Yep. Yeah. So we end up moving out there at that point. They needed police officers so bad in that city. Or that whole area. 
and that's where your and story that's began where the police as a police career officer. starts right there. Yeah, that's where it starts. So, and you're married. Uh, we got married, I think, two years after living in Phoenix. Okay. Yeah, okay. And we dated for a, for five years, I think. And when did you have your your baby girl? Oh my goodness, years later. Okay. So, yeah, I was, I was almost in my. So you're a police officer in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Any crazy? Gilbert, Gilbert yeah, yeah, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get introduced at that point. I get introduced to the border crossing, the border crime. I knew nothing about. Wait, what that. year is this? This is two thousand two. Are you? so glad you're not there today oh yes and no you wish you were there that i mean there there were some fun times policing there there really was some very fun times but crazy times too like am i glad i'm in sandy springs in my 40s absolutely Absolutely. when you say crazy times can we elaborate yeah tell me more Just, just the border crimes like you you go to pull over a car especially on on when i was on night shift and you pull it over and People just start running everywhere. I'm talking like clowns coming out of cars. There's like 10, 15 people. And you just pick one, you go after them. And there's helicopters everywhere because you're close to the border. I thought every police department had access to three helicopters. And so, you you know, you call in the guy, set up the perimeter, call in the helicopters. You're in this flat area of the yeah. basin of Phoenix. Desert. Right, the desert. Yeah, the desert. It's pretty easy. Look, you're not running everywhere, yeah. anywhere. And this is in the early 2000s, before they have all the technology we have to uh, today. So foot pursuits and car chases and dealing with people and drugs and stash houses, it's everywhere at this point. So your mind is being blown probably every day. Oh, it's just a game at that point. Yeah. I'm still a young, dumb guy. And, you, know, and, and just, you never know what's going to happen. Right. I, I just want that rush. Give me that next rush. It's the drug. You know, at it, that point, it, it kind of is that way. For a young guy, you're just like, oh, this is fun. And you have no fear. Yeah, right. You have like, absolutely no fear. Even you telling point. me pulling over a car, especially working the night shift, I get nervous. Like, I can feel my blood pressure rising uh-huh. because I'm like, I cannot imagine just walking up to a strange car not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, but you, police officers are heroes in my mind okay. i mean your gut your fearlessness i mean the shit that y'all go through that nobody knows about that only because you if you actually take time to talk to you guys and hear your stories it's incredible it's a game up here mentally for a lot of us yeah you guys are game. crazy yeah it's, you, it, there crazy. is there's a little bit of little little off yeah but yeah, you but have to i mean as long as you can control it you're okay. right because of course so right. i have to ask this question as a Police officer in Arizona to a police officer today. Are politics important to you? Oh my goodness, so important. Yes. I don't know if you're open or willing to share, but where to do you stand? Degree. And yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. whatever you're, I mean, because from your perspective, yeah. you see it, you know, the average Joe uh-huh. who just wakes up, you know, God bless them if they come to turn and work out. Sure. And they go get their Starbucks coffee and then they go to the office and they plug numbers away in a computer and they make sales calls or they, yeah whatever they're not involved in the government right day-to-day decision the big picture yeah that can impact their life yeah. every day yeah so how does it impact you i mean i'm thinking in so 2002 three four however yeah. long you're in phoenix even yeah. the border is huge with politics right absolutely so tell, talk to me about that. Yeah, and at, at that point, probably the whole time I was in, I was a police officer in Phoenix from 2002 to 2010 okay. is when we left. Politics wasn't huge in my mind at that point. Okay. 
now that I'm in my 40s, oh my goodness, such a different story. What do you think changed? Uh, it, my perception of the world changed. I trusted the government. I worked with the embassy officials. I worked with president. I did these executive details for the vice president of the United States. You know, and, and so I was like, oh yeah, these are good people. We can trust them. And I think we still can trust them. Unfortunately, money controls them. And once I realized what money does to this world, both corporate, government, personally, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, game changer, mm -hmm. game changer. And that's when my whole head, and having a child, having a child yeah, turned everything in my head. So once I realized that, my approach and the way I lived my life started to slowly change too. Is there like a specific example you can how do you know it changed? I mean, what did, did you start living differently? Thinking? No, no. I mean, I, I, I didn't live differently. I think I live very similar. My thought mentality, mm -hmm. where I put my time and where I put my money changed. Ah, That's okay. what changed for me. Realizing the money, how much the money controlled the world and sure. these lobbyists in DC. Uh -huh. Like I didn't know a lot about that. I learned a little bit. Uh, working with the unions in Boston, that was probably the, the first portion of the change right there. Yeah. Unions. I don't really, I mean, I've never, obviously, you know, I don't deal with it. Never have. Yeah. I don't, I can't even probably have a conversation with you on it because yeah. that's how uneducated I am. And I think it's such an interesting perspective from somebody in your shoes to say that because you've had literally life experiences firsthand to be able to own that statement and believe and, and then obviously change the way you live your life. And, yeah. and like you said, where you spend your money and where you spend your time. So you're in Phoenix until 2010. And yeah. where do you go from there? Uh, at that point, we lost a baby during the pregnancy. Okay. Change our whole mindset. Yeah. yeah. But at that point is meant to be, you yeah. know, I have to realize there's a lot of meant to be's in life. This is 2009 that we make this decision. We're moving in less than a year. Of course, our economy's a mess at that point. Yeah. At that point, one in every 10 homes in Phoenix, Arizona is vacant and they were stripped. Yeah. And so it was a mess back then. But anyway, worst economy ever, we try and sell our house. Obviously it doesn't sell. So we come back here, we end up renting it out for three years. We're living in Chattanooga, Tennessee yeah. at the point. I could not get a job. I had a very difficult time getting a job when I got to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And here you are with the background you have. Yep. Yeah. The Marines, overseas, 36 countries, yeah. security of a badass, you know, 18 floor, 500 partner law firm, what, yeah. making more money than you ever thought. Yeah. And now. I took a job. You can't find a job. I ended up after six months, I ended up taking a job as a security guard at a nuclear power plant for $11 an hour. <laughs> Very humbling. I'm not laughing at you. I Again, meant to be. Yeah. I read my, we sit in towers. If you don't know anything about nuclear power plants, security, you literally sit in towers over watching whatever for 12 hour shifts at $11 an hour. And you have a baby? Not yet. Okay. Yeah, not this. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're two years away from having a baby. Okay. At this okay. Point. Yeah. But I read, I read, I read, I read, and I'm not a reader. You read books I in read, the tower? Yeah. All you had to do was stay awake. That's all they asked you to do. If something activated in your zone, obviously you go check it. Sure. But, uh. You know, what's interesting is you read to stay awake. I read and I fall asleep immediately. Oh, I'm, I am that way now. I am definitely that way now. I cannot read a book. To, now, I listen to books all the time. I okay. love, I mean, I have 
I have to listen. Sure. My husband bought me a Kindle, I think, six months ago. I haven't turned it on. <laughs> I buy I buy books literally, well, it was like Amazon Prime. Okay. I think it was like 30 bucks. But still, I buy books all the time. Like, this is it. This yep. is going to be the one. I read, I mean, even two pages at night, I'm asleep before. I mean, it's good thing at night. But I, and then I'm like, okay, I'll take from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to read. Yeah. Because I really, I love. You want to. I and really I'm love way. reading. And yeah. I love what I learn. And I love the person it makes me when I'm reading that right. book. I mean, David Goggins alone, like when I was reading his book, I was just like, fuck with me and you ain't even you don't even know what's gonna right, happen motivation. now i'm yeah. ah you know but you're like me you can't sit your ass still i can't I, if the, i'm that's sitting the still problem. i'm sleeping that's me that's exactly it i'm either high as yes. hell or asleep yes <laughs> like I'm, there is unless you put on like some stupid love island show at night i need to just shut my brain off yeah. i'll stay awake for like an hour but even bird is like are you awake yeah. But anyway, so I just had to throw that in there because yeah, you said no, you read. Yeah. And look, you know, we're almost an hour in and I didn't even know all of this about you. Oh, yeah. Because I thought the majority of our time, we're not done clearly, but <laughs> was going to be about the last 10 days of your life. Yeah. Jason, you are fascinating. Oh, good. <laughs> like, you think so? I meet people and every time I talk to somebody and I get, you know, blessed with having presence in this podcast, my life is so boring. I don't have stories like this. Ugh. I don't have experiences. I've never even, I've been in like the Caribbean. Okay. My life is so sad when it comes yeah. to listening. No, I, I know what you're saying. I know. God, what you're saying. it's so amazing. I've I mean, been I'm just very so honored fortunate to, in a lot of ways. Yes. But let's just fast forward. Uh huh. Unless you, unless we're like skipping over any crazy milestone, but fast no. forward to Sandy Springs. Yeah. Police officing and how you got to Zoe child trafficking and riding on a bike for 1000 miles from Austin, Texas to Sandy Springs in 10 days. And I just said a lot, even yeah. just in that, yeah. but if I'll, you could kind of elevator speech it, it yep. to get to the last 10 days, yep. hit so, me with that. So that, that guy, Jason Pearson that I ran into in Japan yeah. that said, I'm going to embassy duty. Yep. I'm doing sales at this point in Atlanta. And I'm about to get fired, which is funny. When too. you say sales, it just mind I'm doing, I mean, it's crazy to me because you're like that. The, yeah, you don't sales, see me as that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I, when we moved back here, eventually I worked myself back into the corporate world, mm -hmm. having no intent to go back into law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I have a, I have a baby on the way at this point, or I had a child at this point. I run into Jason Pearson. He's now a police officer for Sandy Springs Police Department. Jeez. He is directing traffic in a major <laughs> intersection where one of my buildings is that is part of my portfolio yeah. at this point. And I look at him and I'm like, Jason Pearson? And he is in the intersection, sees me. He's like, Jansen? Anyway, we end up talking. We go to dinner a few nights later. And he's like, what are you doing? I told him what I was doing. He's like, you like it? And he knew I was a police officer in Phoenix yeah. at that several years ago. I said, dude, I'm miserable. He's like, Come on back. We need police officers. Of course. Within we always need police. Officers. We always need police. We always will need police officers. Make a long story short. Within a month, I'm back in the grind. I'm going to the academy. I'm now 40 years old. I'm going to my second academy. And because you have to go back to you, you yeah, have to get I'm not certified in certified. Georgia. Okay. Yep. okay. I'm not certified in Georgia. Sure. So I go back into the police academy. Come here. End up loving it. Take a twenty thousand dollar pay cut. Couldn't be happier. One of those. So and good. the wife is okay with it. She is. She's making more money than we ever thought. Great. Yeah, exactly. She's like, look. Yeah, you we need love to be happy. We, yeah, absolutely. Nothing <laughs> wrong with it, guys. 
Sugar mom is a great thing. Just manage it. Do your dishes and uh, suck it up. It's all good. So I end up taking the pay cut. I end up on nights, which we all knew what would happen. Do that for three years. And the chief has this idea. Traffic's horrible in Atlanta at this point. Our response time is horrible. Somebody comes up with this idea. Let's start a bike unit. Yeah. I'm like, hell yes. Sign me up. Yeah. So I think it's about four years ago. We started a bike unit. Police officers on bicycles, basically downtown area. Love and life. So what is the goal behind the bicycle unit when you say to control traffic? Because like to, to me, that just makes me very nervous that y'all are just going to get hit and ran uh, over. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the initial goal was response time. It cuts down the response time in the downtown unit because we can navigate traffic a whole lot And you lot have like better. your response bag, whatever you yeah, need on we, your bike? It's all on your person. Everything in okay. the bag for the most part is, there's not that much equipment. So you're very exposed. But at the same point, there's a lot of this, this human interaction, which we didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. But ironically, in 2018, we started this unit. And now we're out with the people talking every day. I know all the property managers, all the business owners. I know everybody. Because you're a nice one. Well, I talk. I like to talk. I want to know the story behind your weirdness. Tell me your story. That's great. I know all the homeless by first name. They know me by first name. It's kind of the way I kind of roll my neighborhood. So let me ask you about the homeless. Are they disruptive or are they actually just there just to sleep and get by with what they can? They're like every other portion of our population. There's one or two percent that causes all the noise. The rest are literally just trying to survive. And the one to two percent that cause all the noise are what we judge and stereotype on. Absolutely. And it's a shame. Right. It is a shame. Because, and it's just like, and I don't want to digress too much, but like social media, mm-hmm. the loud fuckers on social media are the one to two percent. Right. What you read or what people share on their story, if you actually take the time and do your own homework and do your own research and find the truth, it ain't what you even right, probably posted right. or shared or, or yeah. thought in the first place. Yeah. Just like the guy and girl that tell you I'm I'm loaded with money and they're usually not the ones that are loaded with it, money. The mom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. You know, it's it's and it's such a shame same. because. Yeah. It's easy to listen to the loud. Mm-hmm. It's easier absolutely, to try to fit in with the loud because that's what you hear, what you see. Like, I mean, full disclosure, when I see a homeless person, I'm not like giddy inside sure. and excited and like, oh my God, yay. Right. You know, immediately you're like, right. you're like, oh no. You know, you kind of button up a little bit. You yeah. put your hands in your pocket and you think the worst. Yeah, no, you do. But your side of the story is, you know them by name. They're nice people. They have a story behind their crazy or weird mm-hmm. or tragedy. Yeah. And they do you no harm. 98%. Right, right, The majority. Right, right. Now, of course, you shake your head. You're like, well, no, they're Yeah, there is that one or two. Of course. Right, absolutely. Just like there are people that. Just like the rest of society. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's such a huge moment, I think and take away because like yesterday big news for for me and like twitch a famous dancer mm-hmm. he was on the ellen degeneres show he died by suicide yeah yeah great on the outside on the one to two percent of what he was showing like we believed that he was happy and a joy everything was gone. and everything was yeah. perfect yeah. the most beautiful freaking family too yeah. and then in a hotel shoots himself yeah and you don't know his crazy right You don't know how, why. And now I'm like desperate to know. Sure. But it's like, if you just get to know somebody, if you don't just look at the surface level shit or what we post, 
And if you take time to ride a bike around a city called Atlanta, Georgia, which is huge, and crime is going up, streets are filling up, I mean, the economy is tanking yeah. again, so I can only imagine what the streets are going to look like. But talk about an increase of suicide, an increase of mental health, and that is what you are dealing with yeah. every day. Because you're not just a cop where you pull people over for speeding or for drugs. You are a cop riding around talking to us. Yeah, yeah. Which is a whole other ballgame. Yeah, there's more. You're getting to learn. And I think that puts you in a beautiful spotlight. Because your story, your legacy is going to be so much more impactful than, say, mine or the average Joe who drives by and, in fact, pushes the pedal even faster or walks faster by the average Joe on the street. That maybe if you just sat down and talked... Now, I'm not saying everybody go talk to homeless people. Right, right, right. Yeah, definitely don't. But, but I guarantee right. you, your life has changed. Oh, absolutely. From hearing stories or from yeah. talking to the less educated, yeah. the poor, or whatever, right? Because they have a story. Yeah. The way I guide these kids, especially my own, I mean, it's totally different. Everybody thinks, okay, I'm divorced now for those that don't know. So I'm, I'm raising a 10-year-old daughter who now lives two hours away from me and 90% of the time I'm not physically in her life. Yeah. So when she's here at my house, like I had this discussion with my girlfriend the other day, I have no parameters set on her computer. However, I'm right there because what I told her was 90% of the time she's getting guided and molded by who knows who. Mm -hmm. So I have to make sure that 10% that I'm in her head, the other 90%. Yeah. And so that's why I don't tell her what to do, but I ask her questions that make her think, okay, why are you doing, why are you listening to this? Why are you going to there? That song, read those lyrics to me. What you does that do mean? that. Absolutely. I do. That. Can you tell me a song? Uh, I hope it's not WAP. I, I can tell you, <laughs> Cardi B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's WAP. Very, very. Okay, I don't. Even, I couldn't yeah, even yeah, tell yeah. you what it's she terrible. sings. Terrible. It's disgusting. She will sing it, and I agree with her. They are very catchy. They're great. Yeah, the beats, beats are awesome. They are phenomenal, and yeah. I tell you all the time. I do not come to turn for the music. Yeah. I don't come here for the dance. But that energy, I've tried to recreate it outside of this BPM studio, yeah. and I haven't been successful at all. And you also take turn Claire's class the majority of the time because you do 6.45 Monday, Friday. Right, right. And she loves the explicit Oh, absolutely Beach, she does. Megan Thee Stallion, whatever. My yeah. head is completely someplace else. I don't even hear it anymore. My head is, I'm So out your relationship with your daughter is fair to say significantly different and I would say enhanced because of your lifestyle and livelihood yes yes absolutely now thank god she's a daddy's girl she always has been a daddy's girl which yeah. obviously helps yeah and there's a lot of time in the truck on the road with her because we're two hours up yeah or we're two hours back and you have to go get her or... i have to go get her yeah. i mean my ex-wife we have a phenomenal relationship thank goodness and so there's, there's a lot of give and take there but she and i spend a lot of road trip time just our normal that's just what we like to do so there's a lot of talking a lot of laughter, a lot Which of... Which speaks volumes on you because it is not easy for a male to have an open and trusting bond, communicatively wise, I would mm -hmm. say, with a 10-year-old daughter. Yeah. And I think it's more important now than ever because, Absolutely. I mean, the older we get, the more technology enhances, the more gadgets and shit they can put in their hands. Yep. And I think this is a great segue to probably why you're so passionate on a beautiful relationship and open and honest and trusting relationship with 
her because in your line of work, you are now heavily involved or becoming, I would say, mm -hmm. more involved in child trafficking. Yeah. And I think that if you or if you tuned out or if you're fast forwarding through, tune in now because <laughs> it is so, so present in Atlanta. Yeah. And we don't see it. Where, yeah. Even as a police officer, I didn't see it. And I remember, ago. I don't know if it was a year ago or not, you sat in the hallway one time and I think I asked you one question or I said something and you were like, human trafficking is the majority of what we are talking about, looking for, seeing yeah. today. Yeah. It's a little triggers. So talk to me more on that. It, it really hit me two years ago. I never knew much about human trafficking. Two years ago, after one of my crazy rides up in New England, I sat down with a friend of mine from high school. She's married to a former police detective in my hometown. Yeah. We just sat down for dinner. They're working for Zoe International at this point. Zoe International is a nonprofit group, and they basically educate, rescue, and restore children from child trafficking situations. Okay. They had just gotten back from Asia, where they lived for two years. He was heavily involved with the international police over there, literally rescuing kids out of brothels. And it's, you know, at this point, my daughter is eight years old, seven mm -hmm. years old, stabbed me right in the heart. Mm -hmm. And it, I said, I, I don't know. I don't know what my role is here with Zoe. But I want it to be something. I'm in. I'm yeah. in. All I could say was I'm in. Like, it made me sick to yeah. hear some of those stories. So... Zoe International, uh -huh. two years ago, you're in. Yeah. And how much have you learned or seen in the last two years? So I, I still have not gone to any training. In January, I'll go to my first training on human trafficking. Okay. However, since then, you start seeing all these things that happened previously in your career. And you're like, oh, crap. I missed it. I missed that flag. I missed this flag. Three months ago, I was called to do a transport for our detectives for a, ends up being a prostitute. I didn't know this going to the call. She ends up being a prostitute that was in one of our hotels. Her pimp and the guy she was with get into a shootout in front of the hotel. They end up getting arrested, separated throughout the day, blah, blah, blah. I end up having to transport her down to jail. That was the first time in my career that I recognized the flags of human trafficking in the present. That was the first time, 15 years. What did you do? Or like, can you do Un anything at that point? No, unfortunately, that was kind of a sad situation. We'll never know the answer whether she was or was not. But all the all the precursors were there. All the flags were there. I'm very confident she was probably human trafficked for several years. Because as I'm taking her out of the detention center to take her to jail, she immediately, and she's very quiet, all, yeah. all my other interaction with her. As okay. soon as I put the handcuffs on her and start escorting her past the room that she, I guess, knew her boyfriend pimp was in, she starts yelling to him, I love you, honey. They're taking me down to the jail. I'm going to Fulton County, blah, blah, blah. And she starts like telling him, like, basically what I read her saying was, I didn't tell them anything. I'm still, yeah. I'm still yours. I'm still committed to you. And I was like, boom. So yeah. as soon as I got her in the car, She's under Miranda at this point, so I'm very limited Miranda. Yeah, I yeah. assume most people know it gives them their rights to either talk or not talk. I was very limited in what I can ask her, so I threw it out there hoping I could just get her to naturally start talking, and my question shut her down immediately. You know, for those of us who, let's say, don't know mm -hmm. what even 
trafficking means. If you were to give, you know, talking like to a 10 year old speech on what it is, what would you say? It's modern day slavery. It's exactly what it is. And it's the sickest form. I mean, physical abuse is one thing, but now there's the physical abuse, the mental abuse, the sexual abuse, moving you every week, every few days. You don't know what city you're in. You have no idea where you're at. You don't know where your food's coming from. You're sick. They don't care. Go to work. And go to work means? A variety of things. Everybody thinks of it in the sex trade or the pornography trade. And it it can be sweatshops. It can be on the streets begging. These kids in Atlanta selling water bottles. You know, I wonder now, why are those kids doing it? Are they doing it for the gang, which is possible? Uh, yeah, especially in the, you're talking about the Buckhead Linux. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Or, those are dangerous as shit. Absolutely, they are. Oh, my heart. And oh. there, there's, you know, now I'm listening to stories, listening to all these after stories of these kids that are now out of the human trafficking world, and they're telling their story, and you're like, holy crap. And I wonder, you know, if I'm a human trafficker and I take my kid, I insert them in with this we're assuming it's a it's a gang of kids that are selling these water bottles. Look, I need you working with them, but you better sell twice as many water bottles as they did or yeah. you're getting your ass beat tonight. And it's the way the world works as in human trafficking. Uh, so I it's, mean, it's my jaw is just like on the floor. Uh, mine too, mine too. And your emotion changed immediately when you yep. even started talking about it. You can feel the passion you have yeah, it's behind. Sickening. It is, and it's only growing. I don't even oh, know if absolutely. that's the right word to use, yeah, but it's, a... it's everywhere. And it's, it could be literally in front of our own eyes. It is in front of our yeah, own it eyes. It is, yeah, yes. And we have in no Sandy clue. Springs. In yeah. Sandy Springs. Because, you know, even I was talking to you about, you know, when I come to work at 445, mm-hmm. and there have been a couple of times, don't tell my husband this, but I'm below E on my gas. Sure. <laughs> he's laughing because he's like, just fill it up when there's a quarter of a tank left. Why? Oh, yeah. It takes five minutes less than to fill up. We all up. have this fight, yeah. Bert. Stay in there. Stay in the game, Bert. <laughs> But I won't pull over at these gas stations right here on no, Roswell Road in 285 because the apartments behind there on the, you yep. know, on the east side yep, or whatever, yep. but they're just like that bad spot. It is. And it's it freaks area. me out. Yeah. And then half a mile down the street, it's beautiful suburbia. Yeah. Some cases, mansions. Mansions. Yeah. Upper class lifestyle. Absolutely. And so, you know, when you're going to these grocery stores, gas stations restaurants, whatever, you could be in arm's length of the most sickest human being. Absolutely. It's, it's mind-blowing to me. And it's sad that it's not talked about more. Yeah. There's an organization, a housing organization here that hosts saved girls. Okay. And I call them saved because these girls, they get so brainwashed, as you yeah, know. Absolutely. They think that they are living right and mm-hmm. that they fall in love with these pimps or yeah. whatever you, I mean, yes. you know way better than yes. me, but no, you're right. their mindset is so fucked up yep. and, and it breaks my heart, but they don't know any better. And even though you, you can't fathom their why and their how, and oh my God, what they live it and they think nothing of it yeah. because that's how they were either branded. Yeah. If, is that the right word? Yeah. And, and raised. And many times they were branded. Yes. Literally. And you know, so we did a private ride and okay. it had to be very, I remember you talked about it briefly. Yeah, Yeah, you know, these girls that came in, I could have judged them Mm -hmm. easily because they didn't look like us or they didn't act and they were very quiet. But, you know, they're saved. And some of them run away Yeah, because their life, they think, is better 
being with the pimp mm -hmm. or being told how to be and what to be and yeah I uh, just ugh. yeah we'll I'm never like get almost it. speech yeah, I'll never get yeah. it and the fact that I even got to do that I got to yeah was such an honor because they probably don't even remember it but the fact that they got to just work out for the first times ever in their lives yeah. I mean we gifted them clothing to put on to work out I mean the organization it's the basics yeah, yeah. yeah it's insane them the basics, yeah. so the fact that you're even involved makes you already a superhero now to me because being a police officer is no joke. I wouldn't be able to walk a day in your shoes. Again, I'm scared to even pull over somebody, you know, much less get on a well, bike. I'll never open a business. So we're, uh, we're <laughs> there you go. There. Yeah. Well, uh, so really yeah. quickly in about 10 minutes we have left. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Jansen went to Austin, Texas with a bike, no suitcase, a backpack, or a bag, a bag that you, yeah. uh, you... Yeah, I shipped one day's worth of clothes home in a FedEx box. One day worth of clothes, and the stories on Facebook, you'll have to go follow him, or the pictures. He biked from Austin, Texas, to Sandy Springs, Georgia. 1,000 miles. Mm -hmm. Go. The goal was to raise $2,000. I, I do these rides every single year. I call them my therapy rides. This is the fifth year that I've done a therapy ride. Six weeks ago... I decided I'm going to actually turn this therapy ride into a fundraising ride. I wanted to raise $2,000 for Zoe International, who is the group that fights child trafficking. I was hesitant to do it because I basically, uh, not basically, I had to set an exact date and time that I was going to arrive back in Sandy Springs, Georgia, while biking a thousand miles. Last year's therapy ride went very wrong, and I was 36 hours past the time date that right. I thought I would end. So my the mind pressure is on. My, the pressure's on and my mindset is not very good because I would I had a failure last yep. year. I had a young lady here at the city that said, please do this. Please take the risk. Do it. Yep. So I ended up doing it. I committed to an exact time, exact date. It ended up being nine and a half days that I had to do a thousand miles. I shipped my bike out to Austin, Texas, had a bike dealer. They put it together for me when I got out to Austin. Did a test ride. Two days later, I'm on the road. Those one and a half day, two days that I'm in Austin, I'm listening to these debriefings, if you will, of these child trafficking victims. Which for I motivation? Know. No. At that point, I was doing it for education. Okay. Not knowing it ends up being the biggest motivation on some of my deep, dark nights, which is fascinating. So I'm listening to these girls in story, most of them girls, story just trying to get educated on what are these kids going through out yeah. there because i've never had training in this yeah um, and none of us know right none of us know it's kind of a new phenomenon for many of us and so anyway on december 1st was my first day i'm riding december 1st through december 10th from austin texas to sandy springs georgia i picked low level terrain because last year i was up in new england and it literally kicked my ass and things went very, not very wrong, but they went wrong last year. So I take off. Everything is, is good. It's 39 degrees when I leave Austin, Texas. And it's a lot colder than I wanted it to be. Day two, pretty good day though. Day two was some rain, cold rain, which kind of mentally beat me up a little bit. Let me just pause. I just want everybody who's listening to literally close your eyes, picture you and you only on a bike in the middle of United States of America, by yourself, 
rain, sunshine, cold, hot, you are riding a bike by yourself with nothing but what you have on and a small bag yeah. of survival necessities for your bike if it breaks down. Yeah. And I'm assuming like nutrients, yeah, gummy small, chews or whatever. Yeah, I know a you small st- tent just... I hoped I never had to use it, but yeah, it was my... A small tent. I had a hammock tent, yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, sorry, I just had to keep going. So my my whole goal is just to raise $2,000. Before I even got on that bike in Austin, Texas, I was well over $2,000. So I immediately go back into my Zoe International profile, and I raise the donation goal to $5,000. Yep. And I set a I set a benchmark. I said, "Look, if we hit three thousand, I'll be happy to hit three thousand. We hit three thousand dollars, I'll shave my legs." Night two, I was shaving my legs, and it, at that point, at that point, the motivation is on. I'm like, "Well, man, I raised three thousand dollars. Let's go to five. And people what's are next? Make, people are, right. The what's next is back in. What do you have for me now? That's me and my um, girl Cece's always question to each other. Yep, what's, what's next? next? What you got? So those first two days were over 100 miles each, I think. Day three was kind of my rest day at 80 or 90. I don't remember what my mileage was. Rest day, 80 or 90. But that was my rest day. Sure. Yeah, day three (laughs) on a rest day, and I just shaved my legs. We hit a goal that I thought it would be, we'd never hit, blah, 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 and it was game one. But I knew the next four days were very high mileage days, and I knew they'd be long days on the bike. And very good days. I had no real bad days those first you know what days. a bad day to me is, is when you post it on Facebook, you've been biking, of course, all day. You get to Applebee's and they won't serve you because oh, they closed at 10 p.m. <laughs> and it was 9.55. It's so part of the story. I'm going to write them a letter and tell them they couldn't just give you some chicken fingers. They had no He had to order a yep. freaking pizza in his damn hotel room. I just, I mean, my heart just sank. I yep. was like, can you imagine... All you want is that fucking jerk chicken or no yeah, chicken what? pasta or whatever. They I just have. wanted calories. I didn't even <laughs> yeah, care didn't at that care. point. Yeah, didn't care. Yeah. I mean, oh. that day was crazy. I think it was day four. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't even remember what day that was, but such a good day. And then the end of the day, everything was, it was like I couldn't make it to my hotel. It was a train that was stopped blocking my path. I had to reroute. Hit a toll booth. Oh, that's the worst. Coming story. into the city and I've never, the toll booth didn't even make sense. It wasn't an interstate <laughs> on the other side. So naturally, thank God for cross country. I just went down into yeah, the ditch and I found a, a way area. through. Yeah, I just found a way through and said. Now you not... have all the gear on your bike, the GPS, the yeah. mileage. I mean, you have all of that going on. Yeah. So you're not clueless. Yeah, no, 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 no. You got some direction. And, and I thank do God. a lot of prep work going into this, of obviously. Course. Thank God for Google Earth. But I missed that toll booth somehow. So anyway, eventually I make it to my hotel. Day five is where things, where I got scared for the first time. And day five, I was going into Simsport, Louisiana. I wasn't going to say the town. Anyway, as I'm riding into this town, there's the smell of weed very, very strongly as I'm riding. And it's a very, very, very poor area. I thought some of these homes were abandoned. And I started to slowly see life come out of them. And I was like, wow. Again, I've been overseas. I thought I saw it all. I didn't realize it was right here in middle America. Anyway, a kid is following me, kind of trailing me on a four-wheeler where I'm at. I thought it was weird. And then as I stopped, because my GPS is kind of sending me in circles, he stops and he's just staring at me. (gasps) So I do what I always do. I'm like, that's a conversation. So I go up and I start talking (laughs) to him. 
And it ends up, I, I'm, I'm you're sure, a special human being. The, Jansen. Kid, the kid ends up, I think he was probably a lookout or he was just like, what the hell's this guy doing in our town? Because he asked me his first question to me was what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. And so at that point, obviously he's a lookout. And you hear like, you kind of see that on like movies or TV shows, yeah. like, but you never really, I mean, I don't experience it. Yeah, You don't uh, think about it. Yeah. Really. And you are that yeah. estranged human being on a bike in spandex and Freaking backwoods, Louisiana. Yeah, <laughs> you don't fit in here, boy. So anyway, I ended up kind of telling him kind of what's going on. And he kind of he went down a little bit. And he's like, oh, yeah, convenience store you need. Because the next 35, 40 miles for me are nothing. I knew that. So I needed to do this convenience store to kind of supply up. And uh, he points me to the convenience store. End up going in there. This female walks in, highly intoxicated. And same question, what the hell are you doing here? And meanwhile, she's buying a Philly Blunt. That's the only thing she came in this convenience store for. All these guys coming in. She's like, this dude biking a thousand miles. You believe this white boy? And we're just <laughs> laughing at that point. I'm rolling with it. I'm yeah. rolling with it. And it ends up being the such The demographics a... between you and them are night and day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't be more different. Yeah. And ends ended up being such a cool moment in the ride. And leaving Simsport, Louisiana, I was high as can high be. High as hell, yeah. Just high as can be. And I cruised. So were they. So were they, yes, <laughs> yes. I cruised for, at this point, I had to follow the Mississippi because I had to cross Mississippi. And the closest crossing is basically up in Natchez, Mississippi, 35 miles away. But I cruised, and wind had something to do with it. I was cruising about 28 miles per hour for about three hours on a bike. And Most of us have no clue what that means, right. but we just know, holy shit. I was flying. I felt yeah. on top of the world at that point. And so anyway, I finally cross into Natchez, Mississippi, and I am coming down off my high. I'm like, I made it. And I just needed lunch at that point, too. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, like my vision starts closing in. My heart is racing. Side of my body kind of went numb. And I was like, oh, shit. What is going on? I didn't know what was going on. But I thought it had something to do with nutrition at that point. Sure. Because I'm living out of convenience stores, calorie-wise, for the most part. Which is what? Night. Like, what kind of diet is that? I'm trying to stay as good as I can. Pork sandwiches. I had this crazy stuff. I don't remember what it's called. Bourdain in, in South Louisiana. Because I, I, I'll sure. try this local stuff. I don't remember what it was called. You're a different kind of animal. Yeah. And so, anyway, these good old boys sold me on this. It's basically pork sausage. But it didn't look like our normal pork sausage, but it was so good. Maybe because I was hungry. I don't know. But anyway, I'm in Natchez, Mississippi, and my body's shutting down. I literally recognize that. I slam two, I carry baby food, oatmeal is is kind of my go-to. Yeah, doesn't go bad. Yep, and I slam two of those, and immediately my stomach is doing somersaults. Uh So I got to a uh, coffee bar real quick. I said, can I just have chicken? I just need a breast of chicken. Please don't fry it. And water, and they hooked me up. They were super good to me. I sat there for about an hour, and I, I felt the body kind of starting to come back, but I knew something was pretty wrong. So I called my girlfriend. She calls a doctor friend, blah, blah, blah. During that time where we're waiting to kind of hear back from the doctor, I'm like, you know what? I need corporate funds. It's that what's next. And something said, you need corporate funds. So that's when I recorded the video. Yeah. Kind of calling Meanwhile, out the Meanwhile, your corpus. body's failing on you, oh, but yeah, you're I not know, I didn't know if I was doing a day six. Yeah. So, so you're like, 
while I'm sitting here and stuck, I might as well make the most of my yeah. time. Yeah. I'm going to finally use social media to its best advantage, right. make a video and see what I can get. Yeah. So I, I tried calling out the corporates at that yeah. point. Yeah. So I was like, I need to get my mind off the this. pain. Yeah. The pain. Yeah. And let's move on. And, uh, it worked about an hour and a half later. I get back on the bike knowing this is a long day and I am way behind schedule at this point. Yeah. I knew I was riding into the night, which is obviously what I try and avoid, but it ends up being part of the story. And and I'm on. sure we could literally spend the next day yeah. on your details of your story. Yep. Again, we're on a bike in the middle of nowhere, across country, Austin, Texas to Sandy Springs, Georgia, Saturday, December 10th at 10 a.m. You met yeah. up with a... <sighs> young group of teenagers yeah yes yeah, kids that we have ridden with another friend of mine started a nonprofit group for kids he will pay for their clothing everything if you want a mountain bike race come out we'll show you how to do it we'll pay for everything yeah and you wanted to finish your journey with that group right and you wanted to land in front of turn yep so to me that was just like obviously one of the biggest honorable moments that i've ever had in my career here at turn that you would even think of me yeah city springs and sandy springs police department i will call them out they kept saying that you were landing at city springs and i told them no it's turn yeah assholes (laughs) give me my credit where credit's due right but man i think we need to have like another episode on the details and the stories but what you are doing, and your story is just beginning at 47 years old, you're just beginning. Yeah, yeah. All the shit you've done has been incredible, and your daughter has a true hero as her father, but I wholeheartedly believe that your true story starting now because it's 1% to 2% of the world that does what you're doing, mm. that actually cares enough. You know, it's that one to two percent that's actually putting action into what they say they want change. It's one thing to post a fucking Instagram story or post or whatever, but it's a whole nother hard thing to bike, to raise money, to ask for money alone is not an easy thing. Yeah, it's not my personality. No. I was fired from sales. Yeah. (laughs) Right, literally. Yeah, like I could call somebody tomorrow and be like, hey, I need $5,000 for my breast cancer fund, yes or no, where my husband... You know, he's doing that. He, he's very big into LLS. He has proven it is not fun or easy yeah, to raise money. It's so uncelebrated. Yeah. And that's why it's an honor to even have you in this chair. And like I said, I didn't know that you had such a fascinating story because I thought we were going to spend an hour and a half talking about the Zoe bike ride, you know, and yeah. everything you endured and leaving your, you know, your girlfriend, your work, your family, your daughter, yeah. the fact that she was here with the posters, welcoming you and ending here. I have never met anybody with your willpower, with your grit, with your gut, with your heart. And look out world because I feel like you could start something big to end or to at least make a change yeah. in child trafficking. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you just have to take a step. There's, there's probably three times in my life where you, you say, man, I don't know what, to, like it hit me in the heart and you can go to the other, well, the big one was police officer funeral. I've been to many and there was one, when I'm standing in my yard and I get the call, hey, a police officer in, in your area where you live in Peachtree Corners, Georgia at the time, he was murdered last night. And that, I was like, what do I do? And that's why I did the other fundraiser. Right. For, There's always a reason why right. you're riding. You're There's, not just riding for fun. Right. You're doing it to make change and yep. you're putting 
you're not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk. Right. You got to do more than just post. As yeah. You said. Yeah. yeah. And I keep going back to that probably too much because it just drives me crazy. Yeah. And I think in the position that I'm in as owner of a company that it has to be present on social media because mm -hmm. we get a lot of traffic sure. from social media. So I have to follow a lot of people yep. and it is my biggest like negative headspace yeah. is the shit these people post that they think that they are entitled to, to say and do when they don't even probably, I don't want to say vote, put money where they're, yeah. what they're, where they want to see change, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's they, just, they like, just don't know, unfortunately. They, yeah, yeah. And, and like what you were thinking, I just about to say, and I got to go teach a class, yeah, unfortunately, and we can pick back up and play <laughs> tomorrow, but take a step. Yeah. One right. step, right? make one phone call to one organization, make one connection. And that's why community is so big to me. And I think that's me why too. you love turn oh, because you never know who you'll meet. Right. You never know what could happen. And if you just have a conversation, if anybody's taken anything away from, I mean, I'm, I'm sure people are motivated and are drinking the Kool-Aid to go be a fucking better human after listening to you, but talk. Yeah. Take the time to talk to people, Literally. learn their story yeah. because the one thing people love to do is talk is judge yeah. Well, yeah oh yeah we'll all talk yeah, yeah. people love to talk, talk it's just themselves. it's just getting them to talk yeah and people love to talk about themselves i i hear it yeah i live it every day yeah i hate to cut us off but no, it's all good. my class is starting in five minutes <laughs> i have no clue if my playlist is playlist well, is ready you. Uh, yeah. thank you no it's good your time it's is very stuff. valuable and precious jansen everybody he is at turn he is an open book if you want to hear more about his story follow him i'll post everything and God bless you. No, thank you. You're, seriously, you your story yeah. is insane. We all need each other. Yeah. We literally, you were a backbone for me too. You, I don't even think you realize how much. But Well, I'm, I'm just honored you you listened to me. So really quickly, I'll end it on this. Jansen came in. I see all the cities, uh, Sandy Springs police officers frequently around here. I've been begging them to come ride. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I just need a ride. It's cold outside. I don't even remember the first time you rode. And he was like, yeah. I'm not going to ride. Trust me. I hate this shit. I'm just coming for the winter. I'm season. just coming for the winter. And two years later now, or however long, yeah, no, uh, he loves it. He lives for it. It helped you in your training. Absolutely. I think you had some turning point moments of your own in the last 10 days. Yeah. And that is just the easiest gift I could yeah. have ever given you. So thank you. We end every podcast with Stay Gold on three. So I'll count us in. You ready? Ready. One, two, three. Stay Gold. <laughs>